Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor of HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. If I am out of my mind, it's all right with me, thought Moses Herzog. All right. That was a short one today. Yes. And today, to start off our episode, we have a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! This comes from Brian, who says, I've been listening to you guys since almost the beginning. Keep up the great work. I was wondering if you could do a podcast about overclocking. You could talk about what it is, how it works, and the pros and cons of it. I've had some experience myself and can tell you it's well worth it. Can't wait to listen to your next podcast. Well, Brian, this one goes out to you. (laughs) Now, we've talked a little bit about overclocking in past episodes, particularly anything where we talked about CPUs and clock cycles. But Mm -hmm. uh, but let's let's kind of go back and, and talk about what a clock cycle is and why it's important and what overclocking actually means. Yes. Now, this is something we talk about um, a long time ago. A long, long time ago, we talked about the uh, the megahertz myth and you know the gigahertz myth. Yeah. Um, about the the speed of the processor and and what it means and how it's really not necessarily all that important. In fact, it, it's kind of funny looking at computers now um, because now that the dual core and quad core processors and and mul- mul- let's just say multi core processors. Yeah. Um, some of them look like they're going backward, right? Because you'll see a you know a, a two gigahertz processor, and you go, wait a minute, the one I have now is a three point two. Yeah, it's a three point two gigahertz. Well, yeah, because it's got multiple cores processing, it's able to do this. But the clock speed is is basically the rate at which a processor is handling instructions. Ooh, very good. Yes, um, I actually saw a pretty interesting analogy uh, on a Yale website. This was written by H. Gilbert. And uh, Gilbert said that think of it like a high school. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're in class, and then the bell rings, and that signals the end of class, so you leave. All right, then, see you later. And a second bell rings, oh. and uh, you have to go to your next class. So those two bells, he says, think of that as a clock cycle. The first bell's a tick, and the second bell's a talk. Mm-hmm. And the entire school reacts to those bells. It's not like one class gets a bell, and then... Three minutes later, another class gets a bell. It goes across the entire school. So uh, think of a, cl- a clock cycle on a, on a CPU as the same sort of thing, except instead of students, we're talking about data. Right. So, so ones and zeros. Okay. So ones and zeros, and, and that at every clock cycle, ones and zeros are moving around. And uh, essentially every task you want a computer to do requires a certain number of cycles. Uh, some tasks only require one cycle. And some will require multiple cycles because the task actually has more steps than what you might first imagine. And this changes over time, I should add. Uh, back, you know, several years ago, many years ago, a couple decades now, adding two numbers together might take six or eight clock cycles to complete. Uh, and today it might take one clock cycle. So it's become more efficient. Uh, so that's one way that CPUs have sped up over time. But another is that we've actually managed to fit more clock cycles in per second. And that's the speed we talk about with processors. Mm-hmm. It's how many uh, clock cycles or pulses, if you prefer, go through the the that particular element on your computer every second. So if you hear about a – here's a dinosaur. Let's say you hear about a 500 megahertz processor. Mm-hmm. That means 500 million clock cycles per second 
uh, go through that that CPU. All things considered, that's that's pretty fast, right? But you know, then we talk about things like a 2.4 gigahertz processor. That's 2.4 billion clock cycles per second. Much faster. Which is even yeah, much faster. And they they get faster than that, obviously. But that's uh, so. So when we're talking about processor speed, we're really talking about the uh, amount of work a processor can do within a certain amount of time. And faster processors can do more work in that in that time frame. So the 500 megahertz processor can do 500 million uh, can not 500 million tasks, but can use 500 million clock cycles toward tasks in a second, whereas the 2.4 gigahertz does 2.4 billion clock cycles toward tasks in a second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's essentially the speed element. Now, uh, CPUs are not the only thing that work on cycles, by the way. Just want to make that clear. Um, when we do talk about clock cycles, uh, other elements like memory and I.O. devices also operate on cycles. And all of this is controlled ultimately by the motherboard. Yes. Now, if you're wondering how a, you know, how they come out with these chips, um, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's sort of controlled. Um, if you think about it, let's say, let's take, uh, Jonathan's 500 megahertz processor. Yeah. Um, the manufacturer has, you know, knows something about the range at which this chip can operate. Yes. Um, it can operate slow, more slowly than that. It can operate more quickly than that. But what goes on is in, in the process of building this and testing this chip, they know roughly about how much electricity it's going to use and about how hot it's going to get. Yeah. Um, Many, many of us uh, have an idea of what happens when your computer overheats. Um, it will seize up eventually. Yeah. Um, and it can and, decrease the operating life of the computer overall, too, if, yeah. it, if it gets too hot too frequently. Yeah. So the the, the thing is, the pro- the manufacturer of the processor is going to go, well, okay, this is this is a good range. This is about what it's going to do. And it, yeah, and it's essentially, the optimum. Yeah, and essentially it, it'll run... As as fast as this, without going nuts and requiring you know a, a uh, to be immersed in liquid nitrogen to keep it cold. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to that. Yeah, right, right. So this is under normal operating conditions. This is about how fast this chip is going to run. Let's say it's 500 megahertz, and and there are instructions um, in the computer uh, actually written into. ROM that will keep it from doing more than that. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you've got two elements that determine the speed. Mm-hmm. You have the motherboard, which provides a, a baseline speed, and those tend to be around uh, 100, 133, 166, or 200 megahertz. Mm-hmm. And then you have a multiplier on the CPU itself. Right. So... For the 500 megahertz machine we were talking about, the multiplier might be 5, and the motherboard provides 100 megahertz. So the clock inside the CPU is going to run at five times the speed of the clock on the motherboard. Mm -hmm. So the motherboard sets the pace, the CPU multiplies that pace, and that's where you get your processor clock speed. So the 5 multiplier times the 100 megahertz, that's where you get your 500 megahertz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if you had... A, uh, a a multiplier that was say twenty four times one hundred. Well, that's where you get the two point four gigahertz mm-hmm. because twenty four you get the two thousand one four hundred, and then uh, that two thousand four hundred megahertz is the same as two point four gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the multipliers tend to be difficult to change with most processors, not all. But a lot of processors, have, uh, the manufacturers have locked down that multiplier in order to prevent people from pushing it too hard and causing problems down the line. Yeah, because ultimately, um, the majority of us are going to buy our computers, we're going to set it up, do our work on it, play games on it, do whatever it is that we're going to do on it. And the, the point is, we want it to last. Uh, most of us can't just go buy a new computer, and if we don't know what we're doing as far as overclocking... Um, you know, we're just going to, we want this machine to last us a good long time. And yeah. if you use it under normal circumstances, unless the fan breaks or some, uh, the uh, cooling mechanism breaks, uh, even in computers with no fans, let's say, uh, you know, one of the older iMacs that they made a point of putting no fan in, uh, if you clog up the air vents with something, dust, uh, a blanket, it will overheat and yeah. the computer will die or it will shorten the life of it. Yeah. Um, it it'll so, be unsteady and it'll crash a lot, that yeah. kind of thing. So the, so the point of the manufacturer setting a, a clock speed, uh, a default clock speed is, is basically to make it a, a motherboard, a chip on a motherboard that's going to last the average computer user a good long while. Yeah. Uh, I, years, hopefully. I'd say that's the, that's the point. I'd say that's true in the majority of cases. There are a few cases where, uh, manufacturers have developed one chip to go in a line of computers sure. and have put in essentially a, a, a an artificial limit to how fast that processor can go per uh-huh. model. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I've got a, a, a selection of computers um, and we're going to say we're going to call a model A, B, C and D. OK. And all four of these have the same processor in them. But I've put limitations on it so that model A can only go at 500 megahertz. And model B is a gigahertz. And, and, uh, model C is two gigahertz. And model D is like 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. And 2.4 is really where the sweet spot is. But I've put in these artificial limitations on the previous ones. The reason for that would be I only have to manufacture one chip and I can create devices for multiple markets. Mm-hmm. Because there's some people are going to be out there who are saying, I need a computer, but I don't need it to do the the latest stuff. Yeah. Or I can't afford to buy a computer that has like the top-level technology in it. Uh, but I'm going to go and get this base model instead. And then there are going to be the uh, people on the other side of it saying, I want the fastest machine I can possibly get. So they're going to go for the other one. Well, they can create a whole range of computers meeting all of these demands mm-hmm. using the same chip if they put those limitations in place. And in some cases, you can't really get around the multiplier limitation without some really deep knowledge and uh, risking ruining your computer. However, what you can do is change the rate on the motherboard itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you do that through the BIOS system. Mm-hmm. Now, before we before we get into technical detail, um, overclocking is the process that we're talking about now. This means that you're increasing uh, the limit at which the chip can process instructions. Yeah, it's essentially pushing more clock cycles in per second than what the chip was uh, recommended for. Right, right. And we should say it really is a recommendation because, uh, like Chris was saying, most of these chips, I mean, almost all chips that come out have the capacity to operate over what they are rated for. Mm-hmm. So a 2.4 gigahertz processor can actually work faster than that. In fact, usually it's around 5 to 10% faster than what the rating is for. Mm-hmm. So if you are still 5 to 10% faster without running the risk of 
causing damage to your computer. Right. So you might be able to boost your computer's performance by, uh, or at least the, the processing speed, by 5 or 10% without having to worry about additional concerns. Mm-hmm. Once you go beyond that, then you have to start looking into creative ways of managing your computer so that it doesn't you know, just crash on you. Mm-hmm. And even if you do just overclock your computer a little bit, there is a chance that stuff will crash because sometimes programs just don't work very well with overclocked processors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the basis, though. Overclocking means that you're pushing through more clock cycles per second. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we, again, before we get into too much detail, this is not the kind of thing that you want to do casually and figure, oh, you know what, uh, let's just go and try this. You want to think about how what happens if it doesn't work, because um, if you don't follow the instructions carefully, um, and we're not going to give you a lot of instructions yeah, on that. It, There's it a lot of depend upon what the processor is. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, if you're not very careful, you could damage your computer permanently. And, and most of the time, if you try to overclock your processor, you're violating a warranty. Oh yeah. So if you if you do damage your computer, you don't have any recourse to get it fixed by the manufacturer because they're going to say, "Hey, you did this thing you weren't supposed to do. Therefore, we have no obligation to help you out." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ha ha. <laughs> so uh so if you do this make sure you you put some thought into it and make sure this is something you feel up to and that you're you're willing to try before you really give it a shot. If you want to uh it it could be very very profitable for you if you're looking for a faster machine and and you have the uh uh the ability and the you know the money if you need it. Uh, but we can get into that now. Right, the- right. And the reason why you would want to overclock your machine in the first place is that it allows you to run more advanced uh, programs mm-hmm. at a faster rate without having to buy a new processor or a new machine. Right. That's, that's the big attraction for a lot of gamers out there. They'll They'll buy a good gaming rig, and then they overclock their processor so that they can run games at, at the highest settings without any slowdown and to have, you know, the, the best performance in their game. Uh, and also it means that, you know, they, they're essentially getting higher, like uh, they're getting the equivalent of a faster processor, but they're buying a less expensive one, mm-hmm. right? So if there were, say, a 2.8 processor out there and a 3.2 processor out there and you knew you could overclock your 2.8 so that it would equal or exceed the 3.2, you say, well, why would I spend the extra money getting the 3.2 when I could get the 2.8 and just, you know, mm-hmm. overclock that puppy? And of course, there's the the maker's reason, because they can. Yeah. So um, yes, yes. There's always that too. It's just like, hey, I I have the ability to fiddle with yep. my computer settings. Gosh darn it, that's what I'm gonna do. So you were talking a moment ago about the BIOS, yes, the basic input output system. Yes. Now this is a part of. Uh, when you boot up your computer, it goes through the BIOS setup. Mm-hmm. And part of that BIOS setup is the motherboard checks the processor, sees what kind of processor it is and what the recommended settings are, and then goes into that recommended setting for the speed that the motherboard provides as later on multiplied by the processor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, you can actually interrupt the BIOS setup system and manually change those settings. Mm-hmm. So let's say that it was set at 100 megahertz. You could up it up to 133 or 166 or 200. Although, you know, the the more you boost this, the the closer you ride that dangerous edge of possibly ruining your machine. Right. The uh, it's like like getting in a car and pushing it faster than it was meant to go. It can start to shake apart. 
Yeah. Most of the instructions uh, I read in, in the process of doing research for this podcast suggested that you would tinker with the multiplier. And basically, rather than going, hmm, how high can I push this up? Let's turn it all the way up. What they suggest doing is taking it up a couple notches, essentially. Um, again, read the instructions carefully for for the, the uh, system that you have and the, yeah. and, the, and the materials that you've got on hand. But I, I'm oversimplifying for the case of uh, explanation. Uh, you might crank it up a notch or two notches and test it. See how it runs. Does it look like it's doing all right? Does it look like it's behaving oddly? If are it your is, applications all crashing? Are then they, yeah. you might need to crank it back down again. Yeah, and and like I said, not all multipliers are. You can't mess with all multipliers. No. It all depends <laughs> on the processor. Some of the processors are locked, so that you can't do that. In which case, you, your only recourse is to change the setting of the motherboard as opposed to the setting on the processor. And also, some motherboards, you cannot do this through a software approach. Mm-hmm. You actually have to use a physical approach. You have to change these components that are called jumpers, mm-hmm. which that will uh, will limit the the motherboard speed. You have to you would have to physically replace those, which requires uh, opening up your computer case and taking stuff out and changing stuff out and that. That can get a little intimidating for folks. It's a, uh, a little bit simpler when you just hit a couple of buttons and then change some numbers on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that might be uh, necessary depending on the motherboard. A lot of the stuff about personal computers depends heavily on the specific hardware you have, mm-hmm. uh, which is why if you ever think about building a machine, you should really do some research and make sure that you know what components you're getting before you, you jump into it because – uh, not every processor is compatible with every motherboard. So if you were to just try and create your own computer, build your own computer, and you just, you know, you're buying whatever was on sale, you might discover that, oh, uh, I got this great motherboard and this great processor, but they aren't compatible with each other, so I can't actually build a machine out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, same sort of thing with overclocking. You just, uh, you know, there are different limitations based upon the actual hardware you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, it might involve... Uh, depending on what you're doing, you might have to uh, play around with the amount of voltage yep. uh, necessary to run. dangerous, the... too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, hopefully the, our, our listeners, when we start talking about uh, the amount of electricity we're getting into yeah. um, or any any measure of electricity, they start going, oh, maybe I don't want to do this without you know really doing some research. Um, I would very much recommend doing that if you are going to do uh, getting into really messing with this. Um, but yeah, there, it, it is worth noting though that, uh, uh, certain boards are, uh, you know, certain processors, I should say, come with, uh, the, the, uh, ability to overclock sort of, uh, sanctioned. Yeah, they're built in. Intel has several chips that you can, uh, go into a specific screen and change the settings mm-hmm. if you want to overclock your processor. Uh, like the extreme edition. Yeah, so that way you, know, you can do like the turbo stuff or you can actually knock up the processor speed. Uh, you can change the multiplier a little bit, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, again, this is, you might ask, well, why isn't it like that just out of the box? Well, for one thing, not everyone needs that kind of uh, performance. And for another, uh, here's the thing about processors. We talked about heat a bit and about generating heat and too much heat can be a bad thing. When you have electricity yeah. running through a circuit, it generates heat as a byproduct. Yes. Yeah. Some energy is lost due it, to heat. Yeah, it wastes, it wastes some of its energy as heat. Yeah, so the more electricity you're pushing 
through, the more the more uh, uh, work you're making your system do, the more heat it's going to generate. Mm-hmm. And before long, that heat might get to a point that's causing damage or, or causing malfunctions within the machine itself. So you have to figure out a way of dispersing that heat mm-hmm. um, to handle that So, or, or else your device isn't going to work for very long. You might have the world's fastest computer, but only for a few minutes before it just says, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, uh, there have been computers with no fans. There have been computers with multiple fans. It all sort of depends on, on the guts, on the you know, the stuff that's inside the box. Yeah. Um, and if you go to different overclocking communities, you can learn about the, the parts and bits that people uh, seem to feel are the best. Now, I saw a couple of fans listed as being excellent for overclockers because they're reliable and they push a lot of air. Yeah. Um, but depending on what you're doing, that may not be enough. Yeah, you might have to go to, say, a water cooling system, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, water is a much more efficient dispersal of heat than, uh, than air is. Mm-hmm. It's much dispersal. I'm making up words now uh, or misusing them at any rate. Yeah. So anyway, water is much better at taking care of uh, heat than than air is. And so a, a water-based cooling system can be uh, very useful for people who are overclocking their, their machines and they want to really push it to the limit. Yeah, um, I was joking about the, the liquid nitrogen earlier, but there are people who have some very elaborate liquid-cooled uh, computer systems, and depending on how much you're you're pushing, especially if you have something like the uh, again like the Intel chips or the AMD's uh, Black Edition chips, where you can you've got the opportunity to really tinker with it, um, you might do that. Yeah, also, there, there are know, actually in overclocking uh, competitions, liquid nitrogen has been used to cool uh, CPUs. Yeah, I'm just. It's not the kind of thing that the general public no because goes you're not going to have you're not going to have a steady supply of liquid nitrogen to run through your machine constantly so that you can uh, you can keep it going. But in, honey, in, honey, have you seen my liquid nitrogen? In, it's under the stairs. Why oh. do you need to know? The uh, uh, where is my super suit? The uh, yeah, but if you if you. If you don't have a steady supply of liquid nitrogen, then you know water cooling or some other method is probably uh, the best for you. But uh, during these competitions, mm-hmm. uh, the the purpose of the competitions isn't to build the the fastest computer; it's to to try and push the limits of overclocking as far as you can go. Right. It's not that you're going to have a practical machine after you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just this is an example of, of a a per, an artist, if you will, an engineer, really knowing. The limitations and how to play with them and how to push things uh, to a super speed. Yeah. So at, at CES 2011, uh, there was an overclocking competition where uh, they had several different phases and they were overclocking things, not just CPUs, but also uh, graphics processing cards. Because you can do this with various components, not just CPUs. It's just that's what we tend to think about when we talk about overclocking. But in this competition, they took an i7-980X Intel chip, which mm-hmm. normally runs at 3.33 gigahertz with a turbo speed capable of 3.6 gigahertz. That's pretty darn fast. Mm-hmm. They overclocked it to 5.935 gigahertz. So nearly six gigahertz of, of clock speed. Um, and that was using some pretty phenomenal cooling mechanisms. Uh, not something that the average consumer is going to have at his or her uh, fingertips, mm-hmm. not the average consumer. Maybe, right. maybe if your last name is Doofenshmirtz, <laughs> you might have some. But. Well, um, yeah, but that's all, all coming from the uh, 
alimony. Um, yes. so it's my coordinator. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it does require that when you overclock your processor, it does require that you tweak some other settings on your computer, including the, the RAM. Yeah. Um, so keep in mind that this is not a, a, uh, if you're just sort of, I, thinking of tinkering with it just for the fun of it. Um, keep in mind that once you start messing with one part of it, you might have to tune some other factors relating to your uh, your computer's operation. So right. uh, make sure you do a bit of reading about uh, the processor you're using um, and the other equipment, the RAM, the type of RAM. Um, you might even check out your GPU. If you're feeling bold, you might even try to overclock your GPU. Again, this will also uh, increase the amount of heat. Um, so you, this might be a good time to uh, look, you know, move your computer to uh, Svalbard, right in Norway, yeah. where it is. Uh, where I, I'm told it's rather chilly. Nice, um, but uh, <laughs> the, the people at the seed vault would be going, "No, move it down there. You're making the seeds warm up." Yeah, yeah. But so um, yeah, there's that's... quite a bit of there's quite a bit of tinkering that could be involved with this. It, you know, it's not just a oh well. I'm just going to turn this one up to eleven, and we're good. Yeah, there are a lot of resources out on the the net that will help you out if you want to try this. And uh, really, <laughs> the nice thing is there's so many that are out there that you've got a good chance if you just plug in whatever processor you have mm-hmm. and the word overclocking into a decent search engine, you'll probably get some returns from people who have gone through this process and they can mm-hmm. tell you what worked for them or what, you know, what things to avoid. Um, and like I said, there are a lot of communities out there on the net that have uh, dis- full discussions, like full message boards just dedicated to overclocking and the different techniques that they used. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of these might be a little technical and might require a little bit of backtracking so that you can really understand the, uh, the, the, the subtle, the subtleties of what it is they're mm-hmm. saying, but um, but it, it's totally doable. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, it's doable without you ever having to crack open your computer, which is mm-hmm. the best part. You're right, you know, because you every time you have to open your computer and take stuff out, that eliminates a significant percentage of the people who would have tried it otherwise, just because it's either too much of a hassle or they find it too intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, two things, though, to to make sure: uh, one, that you don't make assumptions on similarities. Uh, yes. That was one thing that, that I read, that if your computer, if you're reading a, uh, information on a forum about overclocking, you're getting ready, you're, you're, you've gotten the bug, you're seriously thinking about this now, and the, you're reading a, a post by someone who's done it, who's who's got a chip that's a little, that's just a little different than yours, don't go by that information. They said that, um, from, from what I have read from people who've written instructions on, so you want to overclock your computer. Right. Well, here's what you should do. That was one of the things that I read several times was if you've got something that's very similar to what you've got, to the instructions from, don't, don't go by strict similarities. Make sure that you are going by someone who knows uh, instructions based on the specific stuff that you're using. Yeah. Because similarities aren't good enough when you're messing with this. You could seriously damage your computer. Yeah. And uh, that's the other part. Make sure that you're really willing to give this a try, knowing that you might really muck things up for the insides of your, your machine. Yeah, if you're careful, you probably don't really need to worry so much, but no. it's good to have in the back of your mind because otherwise, you know, if you're... You know, if you do the typical, what we like to think of as the typical American thing where more equals better, right? you might be, let's crank it up to 11. And the next thing you know, your machine doesn't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's 
not doing anything faster than any machine you've ever had. <laughs> My computer does nothing at the speed of light. <laughs> it works great as a doorstop. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure that there will be somebody out there who's listen, listening to this podcast who has had experience overclocking, and they're going to write in and say, no, Jonathan and Chris, it's easy to overclock. Maybe for some people. But, and for uh, some systems. And for some systems, but... Uh, um, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't apply that universally across everybody. No, and, and, uh, and it's, it is possible that if you're not careful, you could damage your computer. Right. And if you don't have a need for overclocking, if you're not playing lots of, of, uh, of high, uh, like resource demanding games mm-hmm. or, or other applications that just require a lot of processing power, um, I mean, it, it could be a fun experiment if it's something that you just want to try and get your hand in, and especially if you have like an old machine lying around that you yeah. don't really care about, and you just want to have the experience of overclocking something. That's fine, but if you don't really have a need for it at all, I really don't see any reason to do it. Because uh, ultimately, if you are overclocking your machine to really push its limits, that is, it is not just a time investment, but it is a money investment too, mm-hmm. because you will have to find some way to address that heat problem. Yeah. It's not, you know, because your computer, when it was built, was built with a certain amount of heat in mind and nothing beyond that. And you're going to be generating a lot more heat than what that computer was designed to handle. On the other hand, if your office is in the freezer, that may not be such a problem. Yeah. Some days I wonder if we are. <laughs> So that wraps up this discussion about overclocking and apparently the HVAC system in HowStuffWorks.com. If you guys have any requests for topics that you would like us to cover, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is TechStuffHSW. Or send us an email. Our address is TechStuff at Discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?